Hello, everyone. Welcome. It's Tea Time History Chat Live. Um, I'm Philippa Lacey-Brawl. I hope you are doing well this week. Um, that's better on Instagram. You now have a picture as well. Don't know what happened there. How are you all? Welcome. I'm streaming live on Instagram, YouTube and Facebook. Uh, welcome to if you're on the catch up crew or you're listening on the podcast today. I want to tell you a bit about Tewkesbury Abbey. You may see that uh, that I was there. Uh, when was I there? I was actually I was actually at Tewkesbury Friday through till Sunday, having um, a lovely time. And I want to tell you a little bit more about the uh, the Abbey, a bit more that I found out. Um, want to talk a little bit about the coronation chair because it's in the news today. It's only um, a little bit a bit short, but anyway. Um, Tewkesbury also links into the dissolution of the monasteries, which I want to talk about because there is a fantastic book and I'm about to do an interview with its author and I want to tell you about it because I'd like your input and um, and I'll let you know what's going on on History After Dark tonight as well because if you're around at 8.15 UK time tonight, we are talking Henry VIII in History After Dark. I've just told you what we're doing. Anyway, I'll go. I'll remind you later as well, so that uh, if you're around, you can join us. Um, living an eclectic life. Hi, welcome. You've made it to a live chat. <laughs> I don't know what time it is where you are, but hi. Hello, everyone um, joining on Instagram. Um, let me know if you can hear me okay. I have got my new mic set up, so hopefully it is all working perfectly fine. Hello, Mayfair Forest Witch. How are you doing? Um, I can see lots of familiar names, so please just pop a hi in the comments um is there anything that you've seen going on in the history world this week that you want to talk about pop it in the comments and if it's something I can pick up on then I will so um as usual thank you so much to all of you who support me you have paid for my new mics so or you are paying for my new mics so that's very helpful thank you on Instagram you can buy badges which do things like change the color of your heart so why would you not want to do that on YouTube there are super chats on Facebook there are stars excellent Facebook thank you for catching up um if you are watching on the playback, so you're in the catch-up crew you might not be able to do any of that so you could go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Philippa or so that I can give you back something, you could come over to my Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash British history. Um, and there you see, I can give you lots back. We have exclusive blogs. I know I'm behind. I apologize uh, on those to any of you who are in my Patreon. Um, hi, Heidi over there in the Netherlands. How are you? Thank you for joining. Um Oh, actually, in Patreon at the moment as well. So one of the perks is you get to ask historians a, a question when I'm when I'm interviewing historians. You get to submit a question. So that is um, something I'm actually asking Patreons to do in at the moment, which I'll let you know a bit more about. Um, Denny and Mark, thank you. You have joined this week. So you get the blog, you get 10% discount on um, event tickets, you get extended historian interviews with no adverts. Uh, you get to ask your own questions. You get book club, book club, book club. I shouldn't uh, forget about. We've got our first meeting on the 19th of March and we're reading Gareth Russell's book on the Titanic at the moment. So if you're interested in joining book club, um, then then that is over on Patreon as well. And it's five pounds a month. So anyway, there you go. Just thought I'd let you know. I like Patreon because it means I can give you back as well. But if you want to do a badge or a super chat or a star, then I'm equally grateful for that 
So let's get started. Um, let me get on to, um, first of all, this, oh, Lisa's got her, her cup of tea. I, I have got my cup of tea, my Queen Bee <laughs> mug today. So yeah, hopefully if you've all got a tea or I don't know what time it is in the world where you are, an appropriate beverage. Let's sit down and chat history. So I wanted to mention, and I was hoping to have the physical book with me um, today, and I haven't. It's uh, I, I'm, I'm, I've become a avid book depository person. I've moved over from Amazon. I don't know. Uh, apparently, I'm told it's better. I don't know, but I am um, waiting on my. Oh, um, uh, Melissa, it's eight a.m. Oh, that's not too bad. That's not too bad. That's that's tea time, isn't it? Over there in uh, Ontario. Um, so yeah, so I was hoping to have this this book that I'm about to tell you about in my hands today. So when I do, I will I will show it to you. But I'm just finished this book on Audible, and it's called Dissolution of the Monasteries: A New History. And I saw it recommended in Tudor Places magazine. Um, by the way, I, I have an interview with the editor of Tudor Places magazine that just went live on my YouTube channel on last Friday. It's called Underneath the Covers. We're talking about how Deb Royal has put together the magazine, um, what's involved in doing it. Um, 7 a.m. in Oklahoma. Good morning. Um, what's involved in the magazine? What's coming up for the magazine? So if you want to take a look at that, then that is on my uh, YouTube channel. Um, but in in the magazine, they also recommend uh, books and Dissolution of the Monastery and New History by James Clark was recommended in the uh, in the magazine. I'm not quite sure why that one caught my eye more than any of the others that are in there. Uh, hi, Jenna, I can see joining Creative Ren 11 p.m. in uh, southern Australia. So have you got something a little a little more night cappy? can't have caffeine after lunchtime so whiskey is probably the way to go um uh lisa's just finished watching wolf hall oh yeah about thomas cromwell excellent series um so yeah so this book that uh I, so in tudor places it caught my eye um and i think partly because a new history well hang on don't we know everything about the dissolution of the monasteries isn't it just actually four years of um henry and cromwell pretending that they're reforming the monasteries but in fact just intentionally um and and um uh just what's the word i'm looking for sequentially shutting them and taking their money so that henry can then afford all his wars that he wants to do because he uh he needs something to show his prowess and war uh is supposed to be the way to go so I'm just trying to get the comments up ah it's not let me do it so good afternoon Jenna um uh, Adrienne says Dermot McCulloch reviewed it in the London Review of Books oh fantastic yes I think he's um I think he might have done a foreword to the book the printed book I'm not sure but I'll, I'll know when I get it um so yes I was thinking well you know how, how do we know and this book is it's big it's a big one um again always listen to it on audible first when I when there's a big book it 
takes away the stress of looking at a at a at a tomb. So I um have yeah anyway so I've just finished it on Audible and waiting for the physical copy. Oh my goodness there is so much that we need to talk about the dissolution of the monasteries. So much. So so much. There is um as many individual stories as there were individuals affected by the closure of the monastic institutions um the many assumptions like for instance um the lead was worth so much that uh, that it was stripped off the roofs and it was sold and da, da, da. sort of sort of the bells would have been uh, taken down and melted down and sold sort of the the story changes it's so nuanced there's so much um of interest in there um about how it how it was um done politically socially um uh, physically on the ground um so for instance like i said about the iron it actually to to get iron uh you know out of off a roof out of whatever and melted down into what they call a pig um and then transported somewhere else is costly there has to be a buyer for it all these sorts of things it's so nuanced it is it is absolutely fascinating so i am very happy to uh to to let you know i think i might have mentioned this week so but i can definitely confirm it now that i will be interviewing james clark the author of this book i will be interviewing him in a couple of weeks time for that um interview to be available um either march or april um i have to look how it fits in the schedule if you want to ask your own question to james you don't have to have read the book um you can um just anything about the dissolution of the monasteries um, then you can if you head over to my Patreon. This is a Patreon perk um, and you can submit your own question uh, for James. And what I do with those is I do the interview and then we have a section at the end, which is just the Patreon's questions and only Patreons get to listen to that part of the interview. So not only is the interview that, that patrons get um, ad free, it's also longer and it includes their own uh, the, the, their questions and the answers to those questions. So if you're interested in that, head over to patreon.com forward slash British history. You can join me there. It's five pounds a month and you can get your questions submitted for James. And there's uh, loads of other um, good reasons to be in my Patreon as well. Um, so um, let me just put that on YouTube so you can see. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so this book as well, I would highly recommend it. I'll do a review of it as well. Um, I'm, I'm, I've got a review uh, to put on my website, which is British British History Tours. Uh, I have a review to put on of Mortal Monarchs by Susie Edge, whose interview you can also see on my channel. That is already live. And I will also do a review of the Dissolution of the Monasteries book. So this does actually link nicely into um, the place I want to talk to you about today. Now, I did promise two places, Tewkesbury and Beaver Castle. Well, I set off to Beaver Castle yesterday morning and an HGV turned over on the M5 <laughs> and had so 
scuppered my plans completely and I just sat on the motorway for two hours. So I will be heading to Beaver Castle, um, but not not yesterday. And it will be, I think it's a, next week. So I will um, be able to talk to you about it the week after. So um, come back in a couple of weeks and I will talk to you about Beaver Castle. Beaver Castle was the setting for the... Um, well, for lots of things, but the real life uh, inspiration behind Tracy Borman's Witches um, trilogy, and she actually wrote a book, the non the non fiction book um, called James the First and the English Witch Hunts, on which her um, Tracy Borman's trilogy, um, fictional trilogy, is uh, is 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 based, um, which was interesting. She talks about that, and um, uh, I did um, a Stuart history online history festival last autumn and she talks about um why she wrote a fiction book and it was actually to um kind of if if you're writing non-fiction you have to stick to the evidence I suppose and the facts the conjecture can only go so far whereas in fiction there are no barriers to how you can express the history and she felt that the non-fiction book couldn't really relay the horrors really of the witch hunts uh, satisfactorily or enough um but beaver castle spelt belvoir b-l-v-o-i-r um was the setting of um something that happened to some women called the flowers women uh, um a mother and two daughters one of whom was called philippa actually same as me um and um so yes, Beaver Castle was the setting for um, some I- I- events which led to to their the, the flowers women being um, persecuted um, for uh, witchcraft, um, persecuted and, and yeah, um, put on trial and executed. So I will be going there. So and I will speak to you about it when I do, but that should have been yesterday. The other place I promised you is Tewkesbury, and that ties in very lovely with the dissolution of the monasteries, which we've just been talking about. Um, living an eclectic life, eclectic life. Did you say you don't get books from Amazon? Where do you get them from? How's it different to? Um, I'm purchasing book club books. You can get them from Amazon, and I have a um, Amazon shop actually. So all the books I recommend are on my Amazon shop um but I'm just trying the book depository for now just to see uh actually because I'm also ordering books for my daughter on Greek mythology (laughs) and they have the full set (laughs) so that's why um (laughs) Mayfair Forest which disappointment yeah for had fans hearing that it's not in fact Beaver Castle I know (laughs) Belvoir which so supposedly um, and I can't remember, I think my son looked this up and said, why Why is it spelt Belvoir and pronounced Beaver? And there's some daft, I don't know, um, idea that it's because the locals couldn't pronounce it. I think I would, I would um, supplant wouldn't pronounce it into that as opposed to couldn't. Um, and when, I don't know. Lisa, War Against Women, the witchcraft trials. Well, yes, um, there were men, of course, also accused of witchcraft, but it was um, the the yeah the 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 persecution of witches um, in James's James the reign during James the reign uh, in England was 
harrowing. Um, a few uh, years ago, I went over to Colchester. There's still a, I'm trying to think whether it's on YouTube or Instagram. Um, there's still a video of me in the cells um, underneath where a lot of the uh, the people were, were brought. Um, so, uh, uh, Marie, how are you? I'm loving the fit today. <laughs> fit? I think we'll need OOTD updates nowadays to get ideas there too, please. You're going to have to translate that for me. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, and, and the feel in the, uh, in the cells where these uh, women were kept, I mean, they were, they were kept, they were tortured. They were tortured by keeping them awake often. Uh, oh, my outfit. Thank you, darling. Thank you. Uh, yeah, they were kept awake, which any of you with um, a puppy or a baby or uh, noisy neighbours will know is, is horrible to be kept awake so they would be they would fall asleep and they would make them wake up um until they confessed but there, and there wasn't a lot required um really it it was just a great way of snitching on your neighbor if you didn't like them would be to accuse them of witchcraft especially if they were a single woman or elderly woman disabled anything that um made them stick out made them um yeah not fit in uh would be a reason it's horrible but tracy talks about that um on the talk she did for the stewart online history festival which if you would if you want to see that you can actually still see that um we have the georgians online history festival starting on the 24th of march it's the 24th 25th and 26th of march it's all online so it doesn't matter where you are um and it um you can buy the Stuart Online History Festival talks bundle as an as an add-on to your ticket. Um, so you can um, get that um, on Eventbrite, which is the Georgians 2023. So the Georgians2023.eventbrite.co.uk, which I've put up on um, YouTube and Facebook and on Instagram after this. If you want to, you can uh, go to my bio and there's links to everything I talk about. So, um, uh, in fact, I've just uploaded Tracy's talk for this, for the Georgians Online History Festival. She's talking about Henrietta Howard, who any of you who joined us for last week's History After Dark about the Georges will recognise the name Henrietta Howard. She was the um, mistress of George II. Um, and um, she... Uh, had incredibly uh, awful actually younger life and first marriage and but became mistress of, of George II until until she managed to engineer him <laughs> telling her bye-bye uh, but with all her rights and money intact. Um, Marie so people were not overtly horrible way back then they were openly doing it yes of course they still do nowadays um, yeah so well the thing is, and it, and it's, I mean, the thing is about war against women. This was generally, this was, this was people against people. You know, women were accusing other women. So um, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's not a, it's not a man versus woman thing. My bracelet is Moonstone. Yes, I think it is. 
So my 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 daughter and I have a matching. Yeah. <laughs> Although I I have a horrible habit of pinging mine and then breaking them and then shut you know everything going everywhere. Um, <laughs> Marie, I need to string two words together. Yes. Well, it's <laughs> some days. Some days are like that. Yesterday, after sitting on the motorway for two hours and going two miles, I wasn't good for much. I can tell you that. So, yes, yeah, so I didn't make it to Beaver Castle. When I do, I will be able to tell you all about it. Um, but I have enjoyed that little reminder of the um, the the part that Beaver Castle played um, in the witch hunts. But where I did manage to get to is Tewkesbury. Actually, I was staying at uh, Tewkesbury Park Hotel, which is the hotel that I'm using for the private life of Anne Boleyn tour in June. It starts the 29th of June. Um, I don't know if any of you saw my reel, but I had to do a reel of the hotel. It's just beautiful. The the views, so you, there's views all the way around the hotel. It's sort of perched on the top of a hill. The, the grounds, part of the grounds is the edge of the 1471 um Battle of Tewkesbury battlefield, so where where the Battle of Tewkesbury was fought, that comes into the grounds, um, and and it's and it's a beautiful hotel. You can see down to Tewkesbury Abbey from the hotel as well. So that was that was beautiful. Um, I've been to Tewkesbury Abbey many times, but like any of our historic locations, there's always always something else to either see or. Um, learn about now but running back to talking about the dissolution of the monasteries um obviously Tewkesbury Abbey has its name Abbey when that was uh whether so just to give you an idea I've bought another book I don't expect you you, (laughs) I'm gonna read this one for you uh this is all about the uh all about Tewkesbury Abbey and it has in there about the dissolution um it was dedicated to eh, someone else first. It might have been Mary. I might uh, have that wrong. Um, but it's it's been known as Tewkesbury Abbey for a while, and I don't know whether it ever wasn't. Um, one of the things that James Clark mentions in his books is how um, how they are um, how places are, are still known colloquially as an abbey or a priory. Um, so yeah. Um, uh Magtino, did I see the documentary movie about Anne Boleyn? Which one? <laughs> no, I haven't. Um I haven't actually. I, I think I'm a bit behind. There's a there's a few that I need to catch up on. Um uh Marie, I'm seriously with your son on this. It's just mental that it's spelt Belvoir and then they make us pronounce it Beaver. I think it's it's I mean in English, we have so many of these. Um, it's clearly, oh, I'm saying clearly, I'll find out, got some kind of maybe French route. Um, so whether it was a on principle thing at some point, I don't know. I'm completely guessing. Um, but yeah, Beaver Castle. Sounds much better in Belvoir. Um, uh, uh, sorry, Magdino about helping uh, Tyndale, I imagine, to translate the Bible into English. Yeah. I know, I will have to look into that. Thank you. Barbara, hi, how are you? And Brian, how, welcome. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm fine, thank you for asking. 
so let me tell you about Tewksbury then. So yeah, so I went back down to the um the the Abbey, Katie, Mrs. Bouquet. Yeah, Mrs. Bouquet. Any of you seen um what was it called? Keeping up appearances with Mrs. with um Patricia Hodge. No, Patricia what was her name? The the actress. Anyway, she, her name's Mrs. Bucket, but she she pronounced it Mrs. Bouquet. <laughs> it's classic. You have to look it up if you've not seen it. Um We'll get on to Tewsbury. I'll be in a minute. Sorry, keep getting just keep getting distracted. But thank you for your comments. I really, I really love, uh, I love it when you when you're commenting and I can. Routledge, thank you, Barbara Patricia Routledge. Oh, she was wonderful, wasn't she wonderful? Um, I did a live from Tewsbury Abbey while I was there, which you can have a thank you and um, and Davis Davies. You can um, you can look back on my live if you want to. Um, uh, from Tewkesbury last week, I was just having a look around the outside. The um, the Abbey Church is a fantastic um, uh, example of Benedictine monastery monastic church, and the uh, th- this church was used by the Paris- parishioners as well. And actually, where the rood screen used to be. Um, uh, which would have, um, uh, which would have delineated sort of the, the the monk side of the church to the um, lay person's uh, place where they would worship. That is so easy to miss now because they've put a stone ramp. It's wonderfully done, but they've put a stone ramp up. There's a small step, and the stone ramp on both sides. Um, of the nave means that you don't notice but that would have been where the church would have been separated and um the 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 parishioners actually bought the church after it was dissolved after the the abbey was dissolved um and they spent a, a, a lot on it i was i was going to look up the um equivalent i haven't had chance i'm afraid but it's 483 pounds um that the prisoners bought the abbey church for the rest of the buildings were dismantled in some way shape or form or put to another purpose so i did my live from outside to show um to, to really to show in part how little is left you can see evidence where the cloisters had been now these cloisters apparently were incredibly fine they they could have been if we if we'd have still had them they would have rivaled the famous cloisters of Gloucester Cathedral um but unfortunately we don't we don't have them we don't have much of the monastic buildings left at all at Tewkesbury Abbey and yet Tewkesbury was one of it was one of the last abbeys to be surrendered and it was one of the most um, wealthy in the, in that part of the country. So, excuse me for sniffing. In the um, Valor Ecclesiasticus, which was, it's, um, in fact, I heard it described as this the other day, and it's right. It's like a doomsday book of the monasteries. So the, the Valor Ecclesiasticus was a, um, a systematic... Uh, recording or assessment and recording of the wealth possessions income of every religious house in the country of which 
Oh, I'm trying to remember now what James has said in his book, how many there are, there were, sorry, it's something like 600 and something monasteries and 180 priories, something like that. There was there was a lot. Um, and Tewkesbury was one of the final ones to be surrendered. Like I say, the actual final one was Waltham Abbey. Um and it was the last one to be surrendered in Gloucestershire in the county that it's in very soon after Hales Abbey. Actually, Hales Abbey, I'm going to keep plugging it. Hales Abbey and Tewkesbury Abbey are both in the private life of Anne Boleyn tour this June and July. So, um, and we're not running it again. So if you do want to do it, then then get booked. I'm go- closing bookings on the 31st of March. So this is, this is your last chance. Um, but the Valor Ecclesiasticus um, uh, assessed the annual income i'm going to read this out for tewkesbury at 1598 pounds 10 shillings and three pence now there was the three subsidiary um houses as well cranbourne uh, st james's bristol and deerhurst any of you who are in my patron you'll remember i went to deerhurst because there's incredible anglo-saxon history in deerhurst um and it's 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 not it's not sort of known about now and yet that would have been a central place um during um anglo-saxon england and the uh the sort of the the establishment of monasteries in fact but um so a huge um annual income for Tewkesbury abbey uh the abbot received 253 pounds 14 shillings and 17 and a quarter pence per year as his salary, plus he held the seller uh, income as well, which was a staggering £842, 18 shillings and 11 pence, which means the abbot alone earned over £1,000 a year. Um, So we're talking a really substantial monastery. And when you go now, as you will have seen in my live, uh, the church is incredible it's fantastic um but there's hardly anything else around um now the the, the there's lots sort of lots of detail to, to to obviously find out about each individual monastery as um as actually james's book again shows just each individual monastery or a monastic house or religious house should i say um has almost a unique story to tell about how it was surrendered and dissolved and and also inside in in that each individual uh, abbot monk um had a different experience as well um the the so that this this so Abbey has this incredible income and yet its expenditure on arms is pretty pathetic it's like 15 pounds a year to clothe six um students i think it was or something you know it, so it seems a bit and yet the money they spent on spices was huge um it was dissolved in january 1540 so like i say one of the final um uh, monastic houses to be surrendered but there must have been an element of um voluntary voluntarily su- surrendering or at least being um not putting up a fight because the abbot had a pension and the pension 
was £266, 13 shillings and 14 pence a year. So the pension um, is was huge and people didn't get that if they resisted. Um, Maria, 720 pages. Um, if there's enough for an entire book, I feel we've not been given the entire story before now. Well, this is why I'm absolutely desperate to speak to James. Um, like I keep saying, I'm interviewing James Clark. If you've got a question about the dissolution of the monasteries, please do um, go over to my patron at patreon.com forward slash British history and put it in. You've got a week to submit your question. Um, yes, there is a lot. There's a lot in there. It, I mean, he speaks about um, some of the, there's many practicalities as to, um, you know, the dissolution. Because you think of the abbots and the monks. But for instance, at Tewkesbury, you had 40 monks and 114 servants. And on the dissolution, the abbot and the monks at Tewkesbury got a pension of varying levels, depending on their seniority. The servants, the people who actually worked, um, because you got to remember as well, monasteries had um, flocks of sheep, cattle, um, there were pe- there were, so there were people working. They would they just got given their final salary and were dismissed, and that was it. So you had monks who had, um, uh, well, many of them actually went into the um, the church. Again, the, there's so many different stories. People who accepted it and went into the new church, um, people who didn't, um, and what happened to them, the women. Um, so um, abbesses, some of them did very well, some of them um, did not. Um, the only vow that the women were not released from was their vow of chastity, which meant they couldn't marry. And if they weren't getting a good pension, they were then reliant on their family, perhaps. Um, common law marriages weren't uncommon after that point with them, for them, because um, it's a woman hasn't got another way of she can't she can't work she can't you know she needs to marry um so yeah 720 pages of gold i would say is the the book um uh so uh yeah so what else so at cheeksbury you had um the monks then so the, the the abbot and the monks did receive a pension so although they held out Mm-hmm. Or they they were late surrendering, or they were later surrendering. So the surrendering started in 1536 and went on till 1540. Um, they were January 1540, like I said, just after Hales Abbey. Um, but the, yeah, the, um, the 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 monks were pensioned off. The servants were just let go. Um, ciao, Monica, over there in Italy, watching on Facebook. How are you? Um, and and when you go around, um, the more the more I learn about Tewkesbury Abbey and go around the abbey, the the just the more fascinating it gets. It's beautiful anyway. Um, it's also so it, it's the burial place of quite a few interesting people. Um, the you will have heard of, obviously of George, Duke of Clarence. Uh, he is buried there. He was the um, one of the brothers of Edward the Fourth. The other brother being 
Richard, Duke of Gloucester, who went on to become Richard III. All three brothers were fought at the Battle of Tewkesbury in uh, 1471. And like I said, that that battlefield uh, runs up to the hotel that that amusing uh, in in June for the Private Life of Anne Boleyn tour. The reason, by the way, we're visiting Tewkesbury for the Private Life of Anne Boleyn tour is she did. She visited there in the summer of 1535 with Henry VIII. So you're walking in her footsteps and we're using the backdrop of the summer progress of 1535 to tell Anne Boleyn's story from a different angle um her as um as a as a woman as well as a queen and um we're joined by Gareth Russell is the tour historian on that tour and he will be giving us a series of three talks to take us through her life um her heritage to begin with and her early life the, the good years, I suppose, that's not what he's going to call the talk, but um, the run up to 15 and encompassing 1535 progress. Um, and then the the what happened, the downfall, but she has because Anne has this um, wonderful summer. Uh, the uh, the monasteries don't, by the way, because the monasteries at this point are beginning to get their visitations when they're starting to put together this this Valor Ecclesiasticus, the the doomsday book of the monasteries. Um, and um, by but by middle of May, fifteen thirty six, less than a year later, she has been executed at the Tower of London. Um, Lottie Rose reading about the Bathurst who makes me want to yeet myself into the sun is that the battle of Tewkesbury yeah is interesting so you can walk around the battlefield well you can re- walk along the battlefield trail um where you can uh, go to the spot where the um I think it was the Lancastrian camp was was um was sighted uh you can um yeah walk through they have there actually every year certainly pre-pandemic hopefully they I think they have started it again now they have an annual festival where they recreate the battle I mean it's not obviously as much as you can um and but if you walk the battlefield trail which I've done on I think I did it on YouTube I might have done it on Instagram last year you you can get an idea of just how how much ground is covered on in a, in a battle um and yes you can walk through the site of um the i think it is the lancastrian camp you walk through somewhere called bloody meadow where the lancastrians were um were kind of hemmed back in uh, in uh hemmed in and then slaughtered um and the the, the reason that they couldn't escape easily is there's a brook which is still there um yeah, so you can see it. now. So back to the, the three brothers. So the three—that's Edward the uh, the Yorkists were fighting the Lancastrians. The Lancastrians—that was Margaret of Anjou's forces. She wasn't on the battlefield, but her son was Edward, Prince of Wales, the only son and heir of uh, Henry the Sixth. Uh, versus the Yorkists, Edward the Fourth and his brothers George, Duke of Clarence, and Richard, uh, Duke of Gloucester at the time, would later become Richard the Third. The Yorkists were victorious. This was the final battle of. Um, the Wars of the Roses, um, and that is because Edward, Prince of Wales, was slaughtered. He- and Henry the Sixth was already imprisoned in the Tower of London, so he was already in the custody of the Yorkists. And then his son is 
um, killed at or soon after the battle. And he is buried uh, in the abbey. The brass work that shows, um, and if you've seen my Instagram or Facebook, you'll have seen the picture. The brass work, um, I I haven't looked it up, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's Victorian. It looks Victorian. So I'm not sure what marked Edward Prince of Wales' grave before that point. And I don't think it marks the exact spot. I could be wrong, but I think it marks that he is there. Now, the the fortunes were going to turn on the Yorkists, of course, because George, Duke of Clarence, turns against his brother, Edward IV, and uh, cut a very long story short, eventually is executed for treason. He's executed at the Tower of London. Um, this is the famous vat of Malmsey wine execution. And his body is brought to Tewkesbury to be buried. And his his wife, um, Isabel, is also buried. They're buried behind the high altar. Excuse me, behind the high altar. Um, without much, again, a brass plaque. There are, though, some very, very interesting chantries and tombs. The Dispenser family, which you will probably have heard the name, even if you can't quite place it. So Hugh Dispenser was a favourite of um, Edward II. <laughs> Lottie Rose, Clarence had the best death in history. <laughs> he definitely had the most interesting one, didn't he? Yeah. We all remember it. We all remember it. Um, so, yeah, the Dispenser family, they made... Uh, Tewkesbury, their mausoleum, and um, th- I think there's part of the, the the it's not a cathedral, never has been part of the abbey that you can't go into, uh, which um, which was set aside for them particularly. But there are chantries and tombs um, around the high altar. Hugh Dispenser, um, the second one, and I think his father as well were both executed. He, um, Hugh Spencer II, Hugh, was hung, drawn and quartered at Hereford. Um, his body brought back to the designated dispenser family mausoleum, which was Tewkesbury Abbey. But his son, um, I think another Hugh, when he died, his wife had a chantry chapel called the Trinity Chantry, built now it could be that um it's so as you look at the high altar it's on the right hand side also on your right hand side and um there are there is a little door both sides into the um into the uh, to get to the high altar and and the whatever you call it the other side so possibly they they put this where there used to be a door is one theory it is but this chantry has the earliest known i think uh supposedly anyway um uh fan vaulted ceiling and this is in the 1400 uh, sorry 14th century so we think of fan vaulting straight away when we when we think about henry the seventh um and but here is his fan vaulting and you can um again i think i shared it on instagram but i will do it i'll do it again so that you can see because it's really quite stunning uh, melissa very creative with names weren't they yeah not confusing at all i think it went hugh 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 <laughs> oh hugh 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 edward 
Thomas Richard. Richard. So, yeah. Yeah, difficult. Um, so this is so this is fan vaulting, uh, vaulted ceiling of the chantry. Uh, then there is still remaining um, paintings. So again, I'll share that with you uh, later on Instagram. Um, I might put it on YouTube as a short as well. But above the chantry, on the top of the chantry, is a kneeling effigy of um, it is Hugh, isn't it? Of Hugh the Third. Hugh Dispenser the third, and he's kneeling and facing the high altar, so as if in prayer, and it's unique. Um, there, unless anyone else uh, has seen one, I haven't seen one anywhere else. And I've read that it's unique, and until I find another one, I'll go with that. Um, and I've got, again, I've got a photograph to uh, to to share with you of it. Yeah, he's kneeling and and looking toward the high altar. Could have been, possibly, that that was going to be a bit of a dispenser thing, um, and it. But but either the the figures have since been um, removed, destroyed. Who knows? So, uh, but this so this this does make this one unique. Um, uh, what? <laughs> Mary wants to know my my lipstick. <laughs> I can tell you. I can tell you for all of you who are interested. It's Mac. All my makeup's Mac, and it's meh, 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 M-E-H-R. Don't know how you pronounce it. There you go. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, now you can come with me to Tewkesbury. You can come with me to Tewkesbury on the Private Life of Anne Boleyn tour, not to be repeated. So we go on the 29th of June. I am closing bookings on the 31st of March. So if you're interested in coming, then take a look at the link in my bio or you can go to britishhistorytours.com for that and all the other tours. I must mention the Anne, right? So I've got the Private Life of Anne Boleyn tour this year, but every May I just have the Anne Boleyn tour and the reason it is the Anne Boleyn tour is that we stay at Hever which is her childhood home um we take a, a trip out to Hampton Court Palace and we go to the Tower of London on the 19th of May the anniversary of Anne's execution um Gareth Russell is with me as the tour historian and we have Kate McCaffrey coming to speak to us and Tracy Borman all confirmed already for May 2024 we are 75% full already booked up so it only went on sale last week so when I say these things sell out quickly um this one in particular really really does so if you would like to be on the Anne Boleyn tour May 2024 please 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 take a look at britishhistorytours.com for the details um and book on quickly um because it it um it always it does it it fills up it always fills up um I need to mention because I haven't you can't oh you can just about see on Instagram can you see but the candle behind me and on Facebook and YouTube, I have to say a big thank you um, to Siobhan at Cleo Candles because she has sent me not one, but two candles. So I can actually show you one here as well. These candles, um, 
no, she sent me them for free, so I am I'm, I am going to give her a plug. But I I wouldn't I don't think if they if I wasn't incredibly impressed with them. And uh, Siobhan's idea is to take you through take you into history with smell. I mean, smells very evocative. This particular one that I'm holding up um, is the Elizabeth Bowes Lion Candle, which accompanies um, what well, can accompany Gareth Russell's book um, "Do Let's Have Another Drink" about the Queen Mother. This one is supposed to evoke um, glams. So the uh, library, I think, in glams, it's got leather and old books. And it's amazing. The one I have burning at the moment is the Eleanor of Aquitaine candle. So um, watch this space because we're working on a candle together, myself and Siobhan, which is exciting. What time are we on, everybody? 50 minutes. So tonight, if you are around, History After Dark is all on Henry VIII. For any of you who haven't ventured into History After Dark yet, History After Dark is myself, Dr. Kat Marchant and Catherine Brooks. And we are a little bit reins off and talk about what we want uh, or how we want to talk about stuff. We are in the deceased or the year of the deceased git uh 2023 we are going through a candidate each um each year uh, sorry each week in, in, excuse me and tonight is henry the eighth by the way we are also rank we are also scoring and ranking the git so we will have an ultimate git of 2023 an ultimate deceased git uh lisa what does the eleanor candle smell of do you know, I would have to look up what the notes say because I'm no good at just explaining what smells are. It's a much uh, more feminine smell, I would say, the Eleanor candle. Um, it's sweeter, um, more perfume-like. It's 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 really nice. I'd say it probably has flowers in it. <laughs> I'm sorry for not being able to be more <laughs> precise. Uh, Brianna, History After Dark, it's always a fun time. Well, I think talking about Henry VIII tonight as well is going to be particularly interesting. We're going to talk about the, uh, his. so we always talk about their personal life, their um, public life and their legacy. So Henry VIII is going to have, um, <laughs> is going to have quite a kicking, I think. So please come along tonight if you want to, quarter past eight tonight. Uh, we're History dot after dot dark on instagram and history after dark just um like that on youtube so um yeah we're going to we want you want you to uh put in your comments as well um he's i mean clearly henry has a busy life we may not be able to cover everything in a particular detail so um anyway but we're interested in what you have to say as well living the eclectic life of just just bought me um a nine nine $9.99 super sticker thank you so so much I'm really uh really grateful for your support like I say you can buy me badges on you can only do it live though I think you can buy me badges on Instagram live you can um buy super chats and stickers it turns out <laughs> on on uh, YouTube stars on Facebook or you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Philippa but what I would love you to do is come and join my patron it's patreon which is spelled p-a-t reon.com forward slash British history because then I've got loads in there that I give back to you as well as discounts and early access um, and blogs and videos and behind the scenes stuff as well. 
So hopefully I will see you tonight at quarter past eight UK time, whatever that is, wherever you are. Um, oh, Maria says he's divisive. Not sure if we have any in our ranks, but I've met people who strongly defend and admire Henry VIII and all his actions with no exception, which baffles me. <laughs> I think I'll talk. So I'm I'm picking up the legacy tonight. Um, so I might go, I might talk to that point tonight, actually, because a lot of that is Henry's, um, I think it was Henry's uh, ability to, or focus on, his image how how he how he managed his image in life and tried to manage it after his life but then I think there's a massive nostalgia of history that puts people like Henry VIII um, on a bit of a pedestal that he didn't deserve one of my arguments will be as well that if he hadn't have had six wives would we be speaking about him at all um I think that is the hook into him being talked about in any real way because he is not um really any uh well we can go on we'll talk about dissolution of the monasteries clearly as well tonight about him uh but uh, again would he have even done would he even thought of doing that had it have not been for his um his his marriages uh Brianna says, looking forward to the Patreon book club in a couple of weeks. Yes, on the 19th of March we have so book club uh in Patreon we have a would be our first meeting online um so we're doing it via zoom so everyone gets to come on and um see each other and have a chat we're getting a lovely community actually built up in patreon it's, it's really nice um and we actually get to virtually but face-to-face meet on the 19th of march and we'll be talking about gareth gareth russell's book is the one we're reading at the moment about the titanic it's called the sinking of the titanic uh, no, what's it called? The Ship of Dreams, The Sinking of the Titanic and the End of the Edwardian Era. Uh, that's our first book. And then we'll be moving on to our second, which I've forgotten which one it is. One of the ones in the back. I have them all stacked. Um, so this year we'll be talk- We'll be looking at, uh, obviously, Gareth's book, Blood, Fire and Gold by Estelle Peronk, uh, The House of Dudley by Joanne Paul, Houses of Power by Simon Thurley and The Sisters Who Would Be Queen by Leander Delisle, not necessarily in that order, but there you go. Right, everybody, thank you so much. Um, I will see uh, some of you tonight on History After Dark. Um, and if you want links to any of the things that I've spoken about today, you can go to my bio, you'll find links, but also um, sign up to my Substack. It's free. Um, and I do a bit of a summary every Sunday of what I've been doing and talking about. And you'll find all the links to the things I've been talking about in there as well. Um, Marie says House of Dudley is the third book I think you're right because I think it's only just being released in America is that right so we had to leave it a little while to give people a chance to read it try and be practical here you know okay everybody have a fabulous uh, rest of your day or if you're over there in Australia down there in Australia and you're about to go to bed have a lovely sleep uh, I will see you all really soon bye bye